three, two, one. You are listening to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast about finding adventure every day and making your life a little more interesting. From Boulder, Colorado, I'm James Barrett, joined as always by my perfect co-host. <laughs> I'm Michael DeRogers in Bangkok, Thailand. So how is everything in Boulder, Colorado? Beautiful. Love it. I'm sure. Is it ever not? Not since the smoke went away, no. Well, James, how's your week been? What have you been up to? And just generally, how are things since the last time we talked? Things have been going good. Work is work. Um, For those of you that maybe didn't listen to the episode, I do work at a ski resort. And Mm -hmm. we opened this past Friday. I did not work that day, thank goodness. But (laughs) I can't imagine the first day. It was a busy week leading up to it, for sure. (laughs) I bet. Other than that? Uh, my wife and I did some exploring today and just sort of taking it easy, getting ready to go home for Thanksgiving next week. Excited about that. Great. Well, did you do anything new, adventurous, interesting this week? During the work week, not so much. But today, my wife and I went to the Boulder Farmer's Market, which is it was the last one of the season and we hadn't been yet. You'll know what I mean by this. It's an actual farmer's market with like crops mm-hmm. and things. It's not a... Um, Etsy shop with a stand. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so it was really cool. There were bakeries and coffee roasters and people selling their vegetables. I got two breakfasts, I guess. (laughs) See, there you go. Living like a hobbit again. (laughs) Yeah, I got um, breakfast tacos from one place. They were very good. And then there was a restaurant that had a stand called Savory Saigon. Yeah, I got... Thai tea for some reason, because they had it. It was really good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but then I got a banh mi, a lemongrass pork I love a banh mi. I still have half of it in the fridge, and I'm excited to eat it when we're done. <laughs> I've never had enough banh mi left over to save it. I eat them too quickly. But I have to imagine that a cold banh mi is just as good. Some food is better, you know, after it's been in the fridge. I mean, banh mi's are kind of like already cold. Like the meat is sometimes hot. But then the rest yeah. of it's cold, so it's cold. Man, when we were living in Vietnam, I ate many a banh mi. They're so good. <laughs> Man, I love a good farmer's market. You know, you got to live somewhere a little bit out of a major city. I'm not saying like way out, but like you said, you want to be able to have mm-hmm. like the actual farmers come and bring their crops. Waco had a really good one that I would go to from time to time. But again, it's kind of out in the countryside. So there's actual farmers that live out there. That's very, very cool. I haven't been to a farmer's market in ages, but I do love a good farmer's market. It's a cool way to support the local community. You get better quality Mm -hmm. crops if that's where you do your shopping. Yeah, I mean, you kind of do. Every market in Bangkok is kind of like a farmer's market. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's a a legitimately, I guess, big farmer's market. It's called the Marketing Organization for Farmers or Ortorcore Market, which is not really very far away. Before COVID, I was going there quite a lot. That's sort of the new thing I did this week. It was very good. The one thing that upsets me about getting a banh mi in most places in the U.S. is they don't put pate on it. It's not a banh mi without pate. It's just a, it's a good sandwich, but it's not quite there. But what I do like about banh mi's is that nobody's super picky about them. 
it's already like an amalgamation of different cultures and foods. So you kind of just yeah, exactly. stuff whatever in there. And if it has cucumber and pickled carrot and daikon and cilantro, it's probably a banh mi. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, you can't really be much of a purist <laughs> when it comes to a baguette with no. Vietnamese toppings, can you? <laughs> it's so good. The one good thing the French ever did for Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Bread, pastries, and coffee. That's it. Everything else was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This week was the Loi Cretong Festival. Loi Cretong is the river festival or the festival of lights. It's where people will go out to the river and they'll make these little baskets of flowers and banana leaves and they'll put candles and incense and they'll float them down the river. Obviously, last year, things were kind of canceled because of COVID. We did go out to a park nearby. This year, we got to go out and join the river festival. There were these stations set up along the river. And there were mostly temples, although there was a market, uh, Asia Teak Market and Icon Sam Shopping Mall. Didn't go to those. But they had a free shuttle boat running between all of these different stations. And each one had different activities going on. So, for example, we started at Wat Po, which I think is the best place in this whole thing because it's free during Loi Kratong. You don't have to pay an entry fee like you normally do as a foreigner. And it was nighttime. You got to go up and see the Golden Buddha, the Reclining Buddha, and no one was there, you know. Inside the temple, it was very quiet because we had gone there kind of early. You know, it's the only time you get to go in there at night, which is awesome. And they had like lots of food and dances and cultural activities. And then we did our kratong. We took a boat out to the river. We floated our kratong in the middle of the river and uh, just continued on. We went to about four or five of the different temples. It was just kind of like a big temple fair. Really a lot of fun. Uh, It was just great to get out. And to see people kind of out and about and the fact that they're allowing it to go on this year, it's a really good sign. It means things are getting better. It was good to see them that they're, they're very much taking care of things this year. Uh, I'm not talking about COVID wise. I'm talking about like pollution wise, because even though the kratongs are made of flowers and banana leaves, you're still putting something in the river, right? You're still putting something in the river and letting it go down. But this year they had uh, teams out in boats that were you know scooping them up and disposing of them a little bit down the river. I'm wondering if... um. Because of COVID, I imagine Thailand was very similar. The rivers got cleaner. Mm-hmm. Everything everything improved. And I wonder if people seeing that was like, oh, we kind of mess this up all the time. Let's try and be a little better about it. <laughs> I think so. I think so for sure. I mean, I'm not sure. I haven't heard specifically about that. Although I do know that people don't really want tourists to come back. I mean, the money, they want the tourist money, but everyone's saying, oh, it's kind of nice not having so many people. The government's saying maybe when we reopen, we don't want to have the same maximum numbers that we used to have. I don't know. I, I think they might be. You know, they've really taken this time to improve Bangkok. They built some underground walkways over in the Old Town area, kind of linking up the Grand Palace and, and that area just to make it safer so you're not crossing roads and they're air conditioned. They've done a lot of improvements in the city. That's interesting. And I have to think that most people now in Bangkok don't remember a time where it wasn't inundated with tourists. Yeah. And it's just more and more and more people keep going. So I think restricting the maximum number of people allowed in the country at a time would be good. It'd be good for the country. Yeah. I mean, people in Bangkok don't really want them back. It's just the people outside of Bangkok that rely on them for their livelihood. That's yeah, really- Bangkok doesn't issue. need it. <laughs> exactly. Me as an expat, obviously, I prefer it when there's fewer- um, already it's starting though. Now that the borders are opened immediately now, the tuk-tuks are out that, uh, you know, for a while it was really nice <laughs> because they would just assume that you were an expat. They would always give you a fair price. They wouldn't try to yell at you and, and tell you, oh, the palace is closed. The palace is closed or whatever. 
but nowadays they're back and they don't believe you. They don't believe you if you say you're not a tourist. I was going to the National Museum to do some <laughs> of my museum stuff the other day. I was just walking. I enjoy walking, taking pictures and things like that, doing some photography along the road. And this tuk-tuk was driving up behind me. You know, tuk-tuk, tuk-tuk. It's like, no, thank you. It's like, where are you going? Like National Museum is like, oh, palace is closed. I was like, I'm not going to the palace. Oh, it's closed today. You know, and just like kept following me and, um, mm-hmm. you know, where are you from? I'm like, I live here. I've been here for eight years. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting annoying again, but you know, again, it's their job. I suppose I just, I don't like being sold to, I like to approach a driver myself. It puts me off when they come to me. Yeah. And tuk-tuks are kind of scammy anyway. I'm not going to say they're not fun, but they're not, <laughs> they're not a good way to get around town. No, they're not even efficient. No, they're not. <laughs> really not. <laughs> but well, that's really cool. I, I do like all the festivals. Yeah, it was really cool. And I will put some pictures on the website. So folks go to attemptadventure.com and you can click on the link to the show notes. And I will put up all sorts of pictures. You can see the Golden Buddha or the Reclining Buddha at night. You can see the river. You can see people floating their floats down the river. A lot of pictures of monks having fun at the at the carnival. It was a good time. Everyone was happy. Really nice. Nice. All right. Well, folks, we've got an interview for you today, an episode with Mr. David Lukens, a travel writer and fellow Bangkok expat. He runs the fantastic newsletter, the Thai Island Times. Thai Island Times is a really good in-depth look at the various beaches and islands uh, of Thailand, as well as the issues related to them, ecological, social, tourist issues, cultural things, carnivals, festivals, everything that's going on in the islands and beaches of Thailand. If you want to know about this part of the country, David Lukens is absolutely the expert. So we are very, very happy to have him on with us today. All right. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Lukens from the Thai Island Times. Welcome back to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, and today I am thrilled to be joined by David Lukens from the Thai Island Times. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, with all of our guests, uh, first thing I always like to ask is that you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, I'm a, a writer, mostly a travel writer. I've been living in Thailand since 2011. Got my start into travel media with uh, travelfish.org the Southeast Asia Travel Guide. I worked as a, actually, well, I still do contribute to them a bit, but I worked full-time as a, a full-time staff writer for them for seven years until um, just a couple years ago, or not even a couple years ago. Pretty much for them, I, I covered most of Thailand, more you know more than 50 provinces. I traveled around the country more or less nonstop. I, based in Bangkok, so I uh, always come back, would come back here in between trips to like, you know, write up the research and stuff and then go back out somewhere. And um, in terms of adventure, like, you know, that job it was a travel guide writing job. So like, you know, I didn't have a ton of extra time to like go on, you know, I haven't done a lot of like really long, you know, one week long treks and that kind of thing. But I've done a lot of, you know, shorter little adventures here and there. And, and so and, you know, also just sort of, through that experience, learned about a lot of longer adventures that I would like to do. So maybe we'll touch on those a little bit. Too. Oh, definitely. Um, you definitely. know, like I, I, a lot of, a lot of times I got to the trailhead and was like, okay, got all the information. I had to go, you know, rather oh, man, than actually yeah. be able to go climb the mountain or whatever. But I have had definitely had my share of adventures. So happy Very to cool. share some of that. Yeah. Well, very cool. And I, and I imagine that when you're writing about something, I mean, you have to do so much research that you probably do get to know the areas 
pretty well. I mean, I, I've been here since 2013. And I don't think I've been anywhere near close to 50 provinces. <laughs> I mean, you know, it really does give you a chance to actually get out and, and see it. I, even if you're not quite adventuring, you're at least exploring, I'm sure, in a much more yeah. deeper way than, than the regular expat probably would get the chance to. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a geography nerd too, and oh, yeah. you know, so I'm all I'm you know I've been into maps since I was a little kid and stuff. So I mean, you know, same here. <laughs> and and just being you know for travel fish, I was pretty much focused on Thailand. I did do a little bit of work in like Laos and some of the other countries, but pretty much I've just been a Thailand okay. writer. So so yeah, I mean, I've I've studied the country, poured over maps, um, especially for the islands with the with my newsletter. Part of it is like trying to cover obscure all the all really all the islands in the country, which there are you know hundreds of islands. Right. Uh, most people haven't heard of, of most of them. A lot of them are not developed, part of marine parks and that kind of thing. So that's what a lot of with the newsletter trying to go to more obscure islands and really kind of check check it out from more of a broad view than yeah. you know just like. Phuket and Kasumui or whatever. Not that they're not nothing against the you know those sure. islands, but, uh, <laughs> but there are a lot of islands in Thailand that you know more than a lot of people know about. Yeah, right. I think that before you come to Thailand, that's one of the main things that you that you think about is like Phuket and these famous beaches, right? Um, that's kind of like before I came here. Really, all I knew about were the islands and the beaches, but only like two of them. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. the two that people go to. You know, Phuket, maybe Krabi, Samui, something like that. Um, but yeah. you're right; there's so much. I mean, Thailand has just a massive coast. So, yeah. well, well, tell us a little bit about about the newsletter. Kind of give us a, an overview about it. So, I, I subscribe to it. I'm a big fan. I enjoy reading what you come up with each week. But uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your newsletter. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, uh, I started it. April 2020. So it was like right when the pandemic was really kind of getting going here in Thailand, like Thailand was in lockdown. Like a a COVID project at first? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, well, I had the idea for it a long time before that, but I just never really had the time. I had been doing mostly like I've been doing a lot of freelancing before the pandemic started. And after leaving Travel Fish full time, I basically spent several months, you know, trying to kind of get like a solid, uh, solid amount of, of freelance clients going and stuff. And I had been getting there and then the pandemic hit and it was like, I lost like most of the clients that I had. It was mostly travel related stuff, tourism related stuff. So I really just didn't, I had, you know, I had some time to kill basically. And so just kind of figured, well, you know, I've got all these photos of all the islands that I've been to and all this experience going there. So I was like, well, I'm just start writing about the islands. So that's what I did. I've been doing like weekly kind of like news wraps too. It's like focused on like generally focused on coastal Thailand, but I have recently have been writing kind of like these detailed um, like reports on on the COVID situation, which I'm I'm going to start moving away from that a bit and kind of bringing it back towards what I originally set out to cover, which is the actual islands and and coastal areas more from more of a travel standpoint as opposed to new stuff. But I do cover like you know I do chronicle like different you know environmental issues and. Um, I mean, the whole the point of it is kind of to share, kind of be, get beneath the surface a bit more and like go deeper into the islands and coastal areas. You know, there are a lot more. It's a lot more than just like tourist attractions or, you know, beaches and nice, you know, snorkeling sites and that kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of interesting, um, you know, different people, cultures, you know, different, um, you know, indigenous people, for example, and and just learning about the, the geology of the islands and um you know, that kind of thing, kind of just approaching it from uh, deeper into it than, than really I think right. has been done before. So that's kind of what, what I'm trying to do, but it's, it's, 
it's a big, uh, it's a big undertaking. So, you know, it's going to take me a while. (laughs) Sure. Well, well, why islands? What led you to the islands and the coastal region specifically? I just really like the islands. I mean, for travel fish, a lot of what I did was covering uh, islands and and coastal regions. I covered the whole South, except for Phuket, actually. There's another writer, uh, Lana Willocks, who covered uh, Phuket for them. But other than Phuket and Kalpipi, I pretty much covered the whole South. You know, travel fish, Stuart McDonald's the the co-founder of Travel Fish and and the CEO. He's you know he loves the islands and he he kind of really got me into them. Right. I mean you know I've been traveling in Thailand since 2005, but mostly I'd focus more on like mountainous areas. Like I'd been to Isan and more like temples and that kind of thing, more like upcountry areas of Thailand, which I kept doing that for Travel Fish too. But then Travel Fish really introduced because I've been to like Kasamui and like Pattaya and some of the places on the coast before I moved to Thailand. And then when, when I started with Travel Fish, my first assignment for them was covering like like lower Andaman Sea islands of Thailand. So like Kalmuk and like Kakardan, Libong, Kasukorn, like these like islands. At that time, you know, before that, I never really had been to these those types of like more kind of off the beaten track islands. And so I really got hooked on it at, at that point and yeah. yeah, and just kept going going at it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I really need to make my way down to the islands more often. You know, people, I think that a lot of my family and friends back home think that my life here in Thailand is mostly just me hanging out on a beach, but I, you know, I I so (laughs) rarely actually get the chance to go to a beach, but I really need to make more of an effort to do so because there are just some incredible, incredible islands uh, in this country. I'm not, I'm not a huge beach guy in terms of like, just like sitting on the beach all day, but I I love exploring the islands and learning about them and you know, right. a lot of them have like a lot of, for example, bicycling or motorbiking and, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting on a boat and getting out to explore, getting into the, to the interior, you know, to, to explore like mountainous areas or farms and stuff and, or getting below the water, you know, like doing snorkeling and, and that kind of thing. You know, that, that's what I really love to do when I, when I go so, to the yeah. islands. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that your background in travel writing probably played a huge role in this, but like, how do you keep finding enough new stuff to continue writing about. I mean, how do you find uh, these little hidden gems and these these little maybe lesser known sites in the islands? Well, having, you know, worked, having, you know, covered them for Travel Fish for all those years, like I, I pretty much um, got to learn a lot about them. And um, yeah. I mean, there's really, there, there's so much when you really start to look into it, you know, I mean, I look on maps, I, like I, I look on satellite maps and like going, oh, this island, that island, oh, I should try to get to this beach or that beach, you know. I mean, just to give you one example, like Kokut, the island uh, south of Kachang, which is pretty popular and, you know, mid-level popularity. It's not super touristy island. But just that one island, you know, it's a pretty big island. The whole east coast is undeveloped. Like there's no roads to that to the east side of the island. And there's like, I don't know, 12 to 15 beaches on the east side of Kokut that are 100% undeveloped, no resorts, no nothing, no road, no access from the interior. The only way to get there is by boat. So that's just like one example of the kinds of places that I'm trying to get to and just to just to check out. I mean, and there are a lot of places like that. Thailand has more than a dozen marine parks, um, national marine parks. There are some exceptions like Kasamet is part of a marine park and there's a lot of development on Kasamet. But for the most part, there's no real development other than national park you know, yeah. maybe a campground or bungalows, that kind of thing. Um, right. And there, there's, there's so many islands in those marine parks to check out, too. There are a lot of smaller islands, too, that have inhabitation that people don't know about, that have, like, small fishing villages and that kind of thing. 
when when you really start to look into the islands of Thailand, right. I mean, Thailand has more than fifteen hundred kilometers of of uh, coastline. Also, for the newsletter, I cover mainland beaches, and so part of what I've done um, is like road trips to looking at different mainland beaches and you know mangrove forests and that kind of thing on the on the mainland, little fishing towns and that kind of thing that that really are not in the radar of the general. Uh, tourists, at least for foreign tourists. I've been here since 2013. I thought I knew the country pretty well, but it's like every week you are talking about stuff I've never heard of in places I've never heard, like not even, not that I haven't been there, but haven't even heard about them, which I think is super cool. I think that it's really important to continue discovering and trying to find new places, even when you've been living somewhere so long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's what I'm trying to do. You know, the worry is, the worry of course, is that you, you know, reveal somewhere that's really a beautiful place. And then someone like from the really someone from the mainstream media comes along and runs with it. Yeah. And next thing you know, it becomes the next call PP Dawn or whatever, you know, that that's how that's so I try to balance it. And that's why doing the newsletter, it's kind of yeah. low key, it's kind of under the radar travel fish is even pretty really low key in terms of it's not, you know, super well known, but there always is a you know, you always got to be thinking about that, I think, as a travel writer, too, you know, that's you know, the, really the interesting threat of yeah, overdevelopment and that kind of thing. Yeah. How do you balance that? How do you balance trying to share, share. these cool places, but also, you know, preserve what makes them special and, and unique? Well, there, there are a few ways. I mean, uh, for one thing, I think it's really important to communicate to readers what this place is. I mean, for example, a small, obscure island like Kapi uh, Tak in Chumpon province like you really wouldn't be able to go there if you didn't speak some thai for one the accessibility to get there is difficult i mean there's no public transport so you'd have to have a vehicle so you have to explain the logistics of it and say okay you know this isn't for just any regular traveler that you know you can just easily add on to an itinerary or something you know a lot of islands you have to actually like charter a boat to get there so those types of factors are going to i would say keep these places, um, you know, kind of below the radar, unless someone from Thailand is a, like a developer or something comes in and changes that and changes the kind of landscape of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to communicate also just like, please be respectful. Like, for example, if you're going to an island that's, um, you know, has mainly like Muslim people that live there, like like a lot of the islands in the uh, the Southwest coast, the Andaman Sea, you know, to be respectful of their culture and don't go like walking through their villages with like topless or whatever, you know, (laughs) right? you know, that kind of thing. So I I think just being straight up with people about what to expect and what these places are like. But then there are some places that that I won't haven't written about and probably won't write about, certainly won't write about for a big international, right, um, right, uh, you know, media outlet or something like that. Down the road, I may, I might make, well, probably will make some for the newsletter. We'll make um, some of that stuff for only paid subscribers. Right. So um, just kind of like limit it a bit. Yeah, like if it's if I'm talking about somewhere really obscure that you know that I feel like there's a potential of it becoming overdeveloped or overrun or something like that, then I would put put a paywall on that just to kind of limit that. But yeah, those are those are some of the ways I would say. Well, uh, do you have any, now I don't have to give away any secret locations, but do you have any sort of favorite places, either favorite tourist islands or just maybe slightly secret places that you think are really amazing and maybe less well-known and really worth checking out if you're in Thailand? Yeah, it's, uh, that's always a hard question. I mean, there's so many beautiful 
places, not only in the islands, all throughout the country. So it's hard to pick. <laughs> I always say, you know, I like kind of more islands that are lower level tourism. Um, yeah. Uh, for the most part, not to say that that I don't like other islands, and you know, it, it's hard to put a lot of places in a box like that. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Kapangan or Kachang, these islands have plenty of like hidden away places that are not, you know, overrun with with tourists and that kind of thing. But for me, I, I still I really love going back to the the that lower Andaman region, like Kambok. Kambok is one of my favorite islands. That's I've gone been there many times. And uh, yeah, called Libong near there, called Bulan, which I, I recently wrote about for the newsletter, is another one. And also further north, like uh, Kachang in Renong province, up near near uh, near Myanmar, and Kapayam, Kapratong uh, is another one near there. Those are not completely obscure. I mean, they all have you know their share of um, resorts. I mean, called Libong maybe has like six total places to stay. I think like in terms of resorts, plus like a few homestays and that kind of thing. You know, there are other islands, like we went to um, in Trot province, this island uh, called Jeek, which ha- it does have a, a few homestays. It actually has one resort that was closed by the uh, by the government because it was like, they, they said it was encroaching on, uh, uh, it, like they had like rooms built over the sea, which is not, strictly speaking, not allowed, although, you know, right, some resorts right. are allowed to do it somehow. But <laughs> right, um, right. But that's, it, it, it's a really, really beautiful island. We had so much fun going there. I went there with my girlfriend, Chin, back in December. So it was like right before the second second wave of COVID here in Thailand. You know, they got like no foreigners at all. In fact, the, we got off the boat and the first thing that this like old guy walks up to me with like a cowboy hat and he's like, he's like, says, you know, in Thai, that's like, you know, Kachang is not that far away. You can see Kachang from Kajik. And he's like, oh, Kachang has many foreigners, but we don't have any foreigners here. We've never have foreigners. And he was, wow, and, he, right. and he was super welcoming. And they, they, they like let us into the, it was like a little village right there. And they let us in to the village and we're like, Oh, go to this little shop. We have noodles. And um, we, we met like, seemed like we met like half the locals as soon as we got there. And they were incredibly welcoming and um, not, you don't always get that kind of attitude as a tourist, right. you know, right. going to a lot of islands, like, especially like Katao or Kapipi and more heavily developed islands. But then, uh, you know, we had some noodles and then these like three, three kids came along with their father and we met them. And then they were like, okay, these, these three kids are going to be your guide for the day. And and so they took us to their school, which is like, there's like seven kids in the, in the whole school on the Island. (laughs) Like one teacher that teaches every grade. (laughs) Um, They toured us or took us to this like hidden beach on the other side of the island, took us up to this temple where, um, where like so a couple of monks lived. And it was like a just, you know, really quiet, like meditation kind of little temple up on a hill uh, in the forest. And, and it, I mean, it was a really beautiful island too, you know, I mean, um, the beaches aren't like big, long, beautiful, like uh, white sand beach on Kachang or something like that. But, you know, but there was, it was really nice and just a really fun experience. That's the kind of, the kind of place that I am really kind of focusing on checking yeah. out. These experiences that are off of the beaten track, they're always far and away more memorable ones. And that's really cool. Amazing. Yeah. 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 And Kajik, it's like, you know, Trap province is a pretty big tourism province and, you know, yeah. what, Kajik is actually the the pier for it is close to um, Trot Airport, so you drive you drive through there. It's on the way to the Kachang Ferry, like the the village where you catch can catch a boat to Kajik is on the way to the Kachang Ferry piers. But there's no signs for Kajik or anything. 
Like okay. you go, you go, there's all so these really signs for like, yeah, Mukha Chang Marine Park and, you know, the airport and Kamak, Kakut, Lam Ngop and all these other places on the mainland that there's all these like tourism signs, you know, like the blue signs right, for like yeah. tourism yeah. attractions. And there's not a single sign for Kajik. Like you literally wouldn't know, you know, I mean, I mean, millions of tourists have passed right yeah. by it, you know, pretty oh, yeah. close to it yeah. and never, never knew it existed. I know people that live on Kachang that never knew it it existed. So yeah, it, I mean, it's pretty close to the mainland, but it's in the, it's in like a wetland area where you can take okay. tours into this whole like mangrove areas and there's like cool. fish farms where you can, you can eat and stuff. It's really, really cool area. It's actually, cool. Kajik is actually part of Chantaburi, Chantaburi province. So it's not, okay. it's, but it's right on the border uh, at the, at the mouth of the, of the Weilu river. Well, I, I got to check that out. Maybe <laughs> when I can travel here again, <laughs> when it's a good yeah, idea. Right. right. Well, now maybe not necessarily just coastal regions, but what have been some of your favorite adventures? Maybe either favorite adventures, we'll say, and or most disastrous adventures, because sometimes the disasters are the ones that make the best stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been pretty lucky on that. Yeah. On that, uh, like Stuart from Travelfish had like, he's like, I call him the Greek god of bad travel lot because he's always has like all these bad things happening to him you should get him on here maybe for more of like you know <laughs> just, uh, to him, yeah. <laughs> just uh bad you know rough things that happen but um no i've been pretty lucky well for islands I, i'd say for like adventuring kind of stuff uh called taro tao in the far south uh, southwest near malaysia is a really good one it's a national park island it's actually the fourth largest island in thailand um really? which i'm pretty sure it's the fourth largest okay. island it's like 112 uh, square kilometers. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, a lot of, I don't think many people would guess that that's the fourth largest island. No, yeah, that's I, a good example. Yeah. That's a good example too, of how like some people say, Oh, Thailand's islands are all like overdeveloped and it's, uh, that's true in some cases, but you know, the majority of them are actually not developed or, or sparsely developed if you really look at it. And uh, Taro Tao is a, is a good example of that. It's just mountains up to, you know, I think above 700 meters and old growth jungle lot of wildlife the only places to stay are there's a couple of campgrounds and um, some bungalows that are you know run by the national park and they've got a little national park restaurant there, there are a couple of roads that go into the interior but they're really like there's no real traffic on them i mean you can you can rent like a like a songtao you know like a pickup truck kind of thing but they weren't they're not really widely available and they mostly just go down to like the certain beach on uh, almole on the on the west coast but um, Kautau Tao, back like around World War II era, it was a prison uh, for Thailand. And the, the prison was on the, on the East Coast at a bay called uh, Ao Wow. They have this really cool kind of like an outdoor museum there now where you can see like the ruins of the prison. Um, oh, interesting. And there's, and there's all these like pretty well done actually um, information boards that explain what happened there. Like because when the Japanese uh, started occupying um, Thailand uh, during World War II, like in the early years of World War II, um, the prisoners, there's like a few thousand prisoners on Kotaro Tower were basically abandoned. And so they like became pirates uh, and including some of the prison guards, they basically kind of like joined forces with the prisoners. I mean, as a matter of survival and yeah, really yeah. actually wreaked havoc in the Straits of Malacca you know, burned and pillaged ships and, you know, that, that I've were never heard like of British. So cool. Wow. Yeah. Like British ships that were, were going through that area, like trying to supply Singapore at the time, you know, they actually did kill quite a few people and um, it's a really fascinating story. And there were, there were political prisoners also in another bay in the far South, the Kotaratau, Ao Talodang. 
and that's like you you can only get there by boat it's one of the remote mo- most remote places in the thai islands but to get there you either have to you know rent one of these uh pickup trucks which you know they're never seen to be available they weren't available when i was there but or you can rent a bicycle i mean or you can hike there and it's it's a lo- it's a long way i forget exactly how many 12 kilometers or something but it's like really steep terrain on this like okay. narrow concrete road that's like just covered in moss and overgrown and there's no traffic on it really at all so i took a bicycle there a mountain bike i'm talking really steep going up really steep hills right. this was about maybe seven years ago i could not do it now i'm 41 years old now and there's no way that my legs could handle it now but back then i pretty much could do it and and i got way up into like you know deep deep up up into the middle of the mountains of this island and and then I got there, I went to the to the museum and everything, and then I didn't see a single person the whole time. Like, there's no station, there's nowhere to buy water, there's no park. There is a little, like, park ranger station, but no one was there. It looked, like, abandoned, like the rest of the whole area. <laughs> so um, hours, and then, you know, luckily I did bring enough water. But then on the way back, the, one of the pedals fell off, the bicycle, like, when I was way up in the, in the oh, middle no. of nowhere. Yeah. And so I had to walk it, took, like, hours and I had to walk it uh, back and it was it was getting dark you know by the time that I got even within like a few sure, kilometers yeah. of the campground where I was staying and then luckily a, a park ranger came by on, on a motorbike which you can't rent a motorbike there either you know there's no you okay. know so the only there's only a couple motorbikes on the whole island and you know just for the park rangers and and luckily he uh, <laughs> he, he gave me a lift back. I have since been back there, and they upgraded their mountain bikes, so they're so they're, okay. they're better. Uh, they're better, con- yeah. they're much better, much stronger. I would say now than well, that's good. Back then. I found that a lot of times the bikes that are available for rent here in Thailand are just like the cheapest, like oldest. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the bike. yeah. It's not the first, not the only time I've had had a bike uh, fail yeah. on me. But yeah, that's. But I think for for you know, if you're really looking for adventure, you like jungle, like trekking. You know, there's a there's like a couple, there's a small waterfall and there's some hiking trails. Oh, nice. um, there's like, yeah. you know, some beaches, there's a beach Al Son way down on the West coast, which is actually takes a similar, similarly long uh, bike ride, you know, or a hike to get to. And it's just like, it's one of the longest beaches, I think on any Thai Island, I would say it's, wow. Wow. I don't know, maybe seven kilometers in length, seven or eight kilometers. And you can just walk on that. You won't see a single soul. It's like, Oh, you know, nice. at low tide, it's like you're walking on the moon. Like you see shapes way, way up ahead. And you're like, is that a person? And is that oh, someone so up cool, there? Yeah. And then you get to it and it's just like a, you know, a log or something like that. And uh, I mean, if you want seclusion and that kind of thing, it's really a good place for it. But Mukataratau National Park then also includes um, the whole uh, Adang or Butang archipelago, which includes Kalipe. So you can go to Kalipe kind of in the middle of, of a trip into that national park, which is nice because... You know, Kalipe is overdeveloped. Um, there's a lot of problems and stuff, or there have been in the past. But um, if you need like a couple nights of just kind of like good food and you know yeah, a comfortable yeah. bed, it's kind of nice. But then near Kalipe, there's Kaadang, Karawi, and uh, uh, Tong, which are all undeveloped islands. Uh, Kaadang does have some national park bungalows and a campground, but you can hike around there. There's another waterfall, a few other waterfalls actually in those islands. You know, it's a great place to just explore by long tail boat, rent a long tail boat on Kalipa or Kaadang, and then just go all around those islands. There's tons of secluded beaches, nobody there or anything, especially Kalrawi is a beautiful, beautiful island. There's no 
um, no development there pretty much at all. No private development, just like, again, national park place. Um, so yeah, for, for islands, for adventuring, I, I highly recommend um, Kautaratau and the Kaadang area. I don't know. Let me, there's so many, there's so many good places to, to adventure in the islands. Um, another one, Kachang, which I mentioned, uh, Kachang in, in Renong province is another one. There's maybe like only 10, maybe 12 places to stay. Um, but they're like tiny little bungalow places and some are like really cheap, like little shacks, you know, even like 300 baht a night, uh, kind of places, oh, wow, yeah. but that that's a pretty big Island as well. And and there is a village there. You know, it's a good island for hiking. There's a a wildlife uh, a wildlife preserve in the in the whole southern like mountainous area. And I had a great hike uh, there one time. Um, just hiked all the way down to the southern, really remote part of the island. And there's a, a beach down there called Aulek, where there's two places to stay. One of them is called Green Banana, and like I'd never heard of it when I went there. It's not online, you know. It's not right, you know, okay. on Agoda or anything like that. Like, right, right. Um, you get you get kind of close to that bay, and then there's there's a sign that just says pirates, and it just points like this way to like pirates. I was like, what is this? So you know, I hike another couple kilometers, and 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 I'm actually not sure if they're still there. If they're open right now. Uh, I'd have to check, but hopefully they'll they are, and hopefully they'll come back. But but when I got there, it was just like these three brothers. And uh, and one of their their wives just like chilling out in this like tiny little little cove. Um, you know, there's no road. It's just you know to get there, you have to hike through the mountains for a few hours. And I I don't know how they really made a living. That you mm, know because they had like yeah. maybe three yeah. little bungalows. They're like three hundred baht each. And yeah. I, they said they had some customers that would come and stay there for a month at a time or two months or something like that. Backpackers. And, but yeah, that, that that was a really that's a really cool place. A lot of hornbills, and there's a little cashew farm there too. So that's a, that's another good one for adventuring. I mean, all the marine parks, and there's so many. Like, well, just to really quick, like Kalau Liang is another really really beautiful island with like karst limestone cliffs that that's not many people go to. It's in Trang Province. Uh, you can go from Kosukorn, which is like a pretty low key little island. There's only a few places to stay there. That's a really good little adventure kind of day trip. Or Karok. Karok is a, it gets a bit more tourist traffic because people go by speedboat from Kalanta. I went from Kakradan in Trang province, just my longtail boat. That's another really good, as far as Thailand goes, really good snorkeling. Not as good as Mukos, Mukosarin, Kosarin mm. National Park, further north up near, near Myanmar. That one, I would say, is maybe the most beautiful, in my opinion, Okay. Um, just all things considered, there is a, a Mokan village, a village of some of the uh, indigenous uh, people that were um, pretty much, well, had been nomadic uh, all through the Mergwai Archipelago in, in Myanmar and down into parts of Thailand until around the tsunami. But famously, some of them uh, saved their whole village because they saw that they, they saw the signs, the natural signs that the tsunami was coming in 2004. Right, right. Um, like, I think they don't like, you know, in, in a certain village, they lost only one person. It was oh, like, wow. a, like, they didn't just like wander out into the, <laughs> like wonder yeah. where, where, where's water going? Like all the tourists did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Th- those are all really good. And then Mukha Ong Thong out like near Koh Samui. Most people go there by uh day, you know, day tour, boat tour from Samui or uh, Kapangan. But they do have a daily boat from uh, Don Sak village on the mainland. 
leaves at one o'clock and you can go to Kapaluai, which is the biggest island in the Angthong group of islands. And there are a couple of little resorts, mostly Thai tourists. So, you know, you'd want to speak Thai if going there, but that's a really right. beautiful island. And that's another way to, that, that would be I, I, my preferred way of going, you know, exploring the Angthong group. And there's another island there called Noktapau. You can stop there too. So, you, you know, you can stay in, on uh, Kapaluai. There's a little fishing village, but a lot of it is controlled by the national park. So there are, there are several uh, beaches that are not developed. Some of the best beaches, actually, that I've seen in Thailand. And then from there, you can go up and explore the Angthong Islands. But then uh, on the mainland, some of the best adventuring that I've done, like, is, uh, is to the west, like, up around Kanchanaburi. Oh, yeah. Katburi, like... Um, yeah, that's, that's my... And- favorite part of the country up in Kanchanaburi. It's like my favorite province. Love yeah. it up there. Yeah, I love going up there. I, I love going up into the remote areas like Pilok uh, and e- like Itong, the village. It's uh, way out on the on the border. You have to take a really long, like bumpy road um, oh, to right. get there. I wouldn't recommend it during rainy season unless you have like a dirt bike or a you know, four-wheel drive. Right. <clears throat> but we were in a dry season and that was really cool. Just you know, it's such a remote village, it's right on the border. So, you know, there's like a Thai um, army camp there where they, you know, they patrol the border. But you, there, they, there is a little border station. You, it's not an actual functioning border crossing unless you have like permission from either country to use it, which as a foreigner, you probably would never get. But you can go walk up to the to the border checkpoint. And, there, and the, the border guards there, both the Thais and the, the, the Burmese, were really nice to us when we went up there. We were just like, you know, hey, can we, you know, like, can we uh, walk into Burma a little bit and just say that we were we were on Burma, you know, ground? And, and <laughs> right, the guy right, was right. like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So he's like, <laughs> so we like walked like, you know, maybe I don't know, a couple hundred meters into right, Burma right. on the Burma well, the side. And check off the list, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's like a map of the that region of Burma on the on the, uh-huh. on the west side of the border there. So we just walked up and looked at the map and like took some pictures. Okay, and, like oh, we're in Burma. <laughs> In terms of uh, like jungle, I mean that whole western forest complex or the um, Donna the Tanasarim Mountains, like the Donna Tanasarim Range. I mean that's a huge stretch of you know pretty much undisturbed contiguous jungle. I mean it includes like I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say like around thirty national parks, wildlife sanctuaries, wow. and other wow. protected areas on awesome. on both sides of the border. A lot of those are in Thailand. That's really the, like the last real kind of viable stomping grounds for the wild uh, Indo-Chinese tiger in the region. So there is a chance of seeing a tiger there. There was actually a video a few years ago of some, I forget which, I forget which, it was a, one of the wildlife sanctuaries up in, uh, way up in Conchinaburi. And this Thai couple had, you know, had just parked their car and then really close to where they parked, there's like a little trail and they saw a tiger and had to climb a tree Oh man! Um, and, 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 and filmed it. <laughs> yeah, um, and they, they, you know, they got out okay and stuff. But there's right, a lot right. of, quite a few. Um, you know, I mean, you, your chances of seeing a tiger are very, very rare. They're sure, you know, right, right. critically endangered species. But there have been, you know, sightings on camera traps and that kind of thing right. that show that they are, they are definitely okay. out there. And one of the the biggest national part, the biggest protected area in Thailand. That's part of that that contiguous stretch of jungle is Gangkajan National Park in Pechaburi Province, which okay. is only you can get there in only like a few hours from Bangkok. It's like a hundred, right. I don't know, hundred twenty kilometers 
southwest oh, okay. of Bangkok. Okay. Um, it's named after a reservoir, but then it's just this almost 3,000 square kilometer national park. And that that was one of the coolest adventures that we've done. There's a mountain called Kaupanantung. I think Kaupanantung. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. But, um, you know, we went up there. We rented a, uh, a four-wheel drive pickup truck with a driver who, who ended up, like, serving as our guide, too, like our hiking trail guide. And he took us, like way up there to the mountains and then from there you can hike to uh, a waterfall called uh Totip waterfall which took like the better part of a day and it was incredible the wildlife there is just amazing like it's the only place in thailand where i've seen gibbons and dusky langurs and you know oh, wow right vipers right. in the tree vi- multiple snakes tree vipers um right. and the bird life is amazing there's so many so many you know rare birds um, if you're into bird watching, it's it's one of the best places in Southeast Asia for that specifically, but also just for wildlife in, in general. There's like clouded leopards there. We didn't see one of those, but they're they're out there. So we walked, you know, way out into the jungle and and went to this waterfall where you you know you can you can climb up the waterfall. And it's a beautiful multi level waterfall way deep in the jungle. But the leeches were so bad when we were there. You're constantly you know, we had lighters to burn them off and you just constantly oh, right. you know, <laughs> checking your ankles and stuff. Even if, you know, even Gross, if you have yeah. like leech socks and stuff, they still find a way to get through. Oh, and, you, man, know, you, right, can't, right. you can't feel them. And so after the trek, we got back to, um, to the, the like camp up there, like way up in the mountains, incredible view from there of, um, you know, just layered mountains, mountain valleys, just, yeah, wow. you know, totally untouched mountains out there. But then we were back there and we, we had lunch at the little national park station. And then I got up and, and Chin was like, hey, Dave, like you have uh, blood like all over your pants. And I was like, what? So I was like all like around my like crotch. Oh, it's just like blood, like seeping through my pants. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> yeah. So I so I went to the bathroom and, and a, a leech had gotten unbeknownst to me had a big <laughs> leech had gotten all the way up to like you know, where the sun don't shine, so to right. speak. Oh, uh, no. oh, <laughs> it was no. just like feasting <laughs> on me. It was like, oh man. Yeah, that was kind of my little horror movie moment of right, being up yeah. there. <laughs> so if you go there, it's not a pleasant thing to find. So if you go there, you know, take precautions and, and watch out for leeches. That goes for all the, you know, cow yai or all the, all the, sure, during, yeah, anywhere yeah. during rainy season. But then further up that, that way, there's a Umpang, Umpang district, which is actually, it's not too far north of, I mean, well, it borders Kanchanaburi province, okay. but there's no through road at all because of that whole contiguous jungle area. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So to get there, it's, it's the remote, it's, it's the most remote district. It's also the largest district, Umpang district. It's part of Tak province, but it's the most remote okay. district in Thailand. Right. Um, okay. And it's the largest. It's it's larger than a lot of provinces, actually. Just this one district because it's just so big, and you know, it there's there are multiple wildlife sanctuaries. There's Umpang Wildlife Sanctuary, and um, uh, at least one other one. There and there are huge wildlife sanctuaries. So to get there, you have to go to Mesot on the, oh, the yeah. uh, on the border yeah. with Burma, where that's one of the biggest border crossings. Which is at that point, you're way up, you know, in northern Thailand, almost. Oh, yeah. You know, I've been up there a couple the times, and that road up there is <laughs> yeah. windy and, and kind of scary. And yeah, know, very, even Mesot feels remote. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, totally. It is. Like yeah. Bangkok, yeah. Yeah. I like Mesot. It's a 
I think yeah. it's a cool city. It's very multicultural. Yeah. yeah, and from Mesot, you can go up to Mehong San from that way. But if you go south, that's how you get into um, Umpang District on what's the what's called the Death the Death Highway. That's oh, the nickname okay. of it. Um, I normally don't get sick driving in you know windy roads, but this I I had to I had to use a um, motion sickness pill because it's just oh, like yeah. turn after turn, you, and you have to go in a song thou, so you're sitting in the back of you know a pickup oh. truck. Um, right. full full of people and it's just uh-huh. slow going. It takes like, I don't know, six, seven hours to, you know, on a map, it looks like you could get there in like an hour because it's not yeah, that far, right. but um, right. just with how windy it is. And it's called Death Highway, partly because there have been quite a few accidents. It was like a school bus with teachers in it at one point that, that crashed and several people died back in the uh, I think like late eighties, but also before that there was, you know, it was such an untamed region and there's a lot of, there still is a lot of, um, you know, drug smuggling and that kind of thing that goes on there cross border, oh, right. you know, illicit yeah. trafficking and stuff. So back in the old days when they, when they first built this road and there was, it was a similar situation up in further up in Northern Thailand, like parts of Chiang Rai province and like Hong Kong area. Yeah. Where there were like drug Lords and, yeah. you know, um, some of the some of the you know hill tribes and stuff um, that you know had been involved in that kind of thing, and there was you know different people you know fighting each other over you know um, yeah. routes and stuff like that, and they didn't want this road obviously you know because it, it messed up their their route. So there there were actually battles that happened, like the Thai military had to um, had to uh, you know protect the, the the people that were the construction workers as they were building this road and. Like there were uh, uh, like more than 20 people died during, d- during the building of it just from battles that happened while, while it was happening. So, but nowadays it's all, I mean, it's very remote and stuff, but um, there's a lot of refugee camps there actually from uh, mainly uh, uh, Karen people that are fleeing across, that have been fleeing across the border for decades. More than 100,000 people or so are refugees up in that area and multiple camps all along that, that whole region. And it's actually that number is going up uh, these days, but you can go down into that area. That's like one of the best waterfalls in Thailand, uh, Ti La Su waterfall that you can go to Umpang. It's a really nice little town. And then, you know, there's several trekking companies there and you can do raft. It's a great place for rafting too. So we did, oh, uh, that. yeah, yeah, we did like a rafting trip. Oh, it's beautiful. You, you go down this long river and there's you know just going through the jungle and there's all these mountains and there's actually a waterfall at one point that falls right into the river from way up high on a cliff where you can, if it's if it's rainy season you'll get wet it's like mm, you know cool. if you picture like one of those steam park rides where you like you know are on like the, like the boat the, like and, the and you go yeah you go under the waterfall oh right yeah 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 Awesome. Yeah, but it but it you know but it's <laughs> natural obviously and then and then you get to this waterfall that's just an amazing waterfall we were there in dry season so it was you know you could actually swim and stuff but normally like in rainy season it's just in rainy season it's a real you know white water rafting trip um uh, probably one of the best ones in thailand that's that's a great area for adventure i went there for covering it for travel fish so we weren't there for too long we were just able to do that one that one day trip to tilasu but you can um that you know you can you can spend a long time in in that area going on into different well, you can go to really remote villages. Um, it's mostly Karen people that live out in the countryside. 
you can go to some really remote like border post kind of villages and um interesting and into the wildlife sanctuary and it is actually possible to trek from there down to Sanklaburi district in Kanchanaburi province oh, wow. that it's like a i think it's like about a 10-day trek and you you have to like pass into karen state in burma at one point which is actually illegal but people do do it people have also done it on on dirt bikes i know have done this trek okay. but you have to get okay. some you have to get permission to go through one of the wildlife sanctuaries in thailand but that that's something that i really like to do you know when i have that, time to do a, yeah. a longer adventure but that's awesome. um yeah those are those are some of the best uh, also like in isan uh, out in northeast thailand uh bunkan province which is the most recent province that became you know that was became an official province in Thailand. It used to be part of Nong Khai province. Okay. Um, okay. Some, but that's a really good, uh, like, adventure kind of destination. The, have you ever heard of Three Whale Rock? Yes, I have. I, I have. I just actually stumbled across it online recently. It, it looks yeah. super cool. They, they do look like whales. Like, yeah, like, they do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coming out of the jungle. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, they're sandstone rock formations and they're like they yeah, they look like whales, like sperm whales swimming out of the out of the like a jungle like cliff kind of. Um that's a really cool spot. They they re- they only recently like opened it to tourists. It used to just be used as like um like monks would go up there and meditate and that kind of okay. thing. But but now they've opened it. It's called Pas- it's in Pasing Forest Park. Okay. Which okay. that which was a really cool experience. Again, you have to go use a pickup. You have to pay for a pickup truck, and right um, that takes you up and around. But it's on. You go to Three Whale Rock, but then there are all there's several other like one rock formation looks like a lion. That's what the mm, park is named cool. after. Pussing, you know, one looks like an elephant, and you know, there's all these different cliffs and rock formations, and the, and you have you have a great view of like the Mekong River and the, the whole countryside in that area. So that's one of them. Another is what in in Bunkan province is also like Wat Pu Tok, which is a temple where Ajahn Juan, a monk uh, who's pretty famous as like a meditation monk and forest tradition of Thailand, you know, when they founded the temple, they built all these like wooden, almost like catwalk, you know, types of like walkways. It's like a, it's built on this giant sandstone massif, oh, hundreds of meters high. And, and it's like a sheer vertical cliff oh, and cool. they built these wooden walkways you know all around this was back in like the 70s and they built these wooden walkways all around it, you know it goes up to i don't know there's like seven levels and it's really like wow. you know you're walking on these things and there's nothing below <laughs> you and like a straight drop that's like you know hundreds of meters down except for <laughs> this like wooden you know planks and everything you know it's, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's not if you have fear of heights, it's not a good place as a, you know, or even like, like, yeah, or even like little kids, because there's only, there's only like a little, very short, um, stumpy little like handrail kind of thing that, you know, to to stop you from falling. So you got to be sure footed. We were there in the middle of rainy season during a rainstorm that came while we were up there. Oh no! (laughs) And some of the boards were kind of rotting. So you step on a board and it kind of like gives way and you're like, oh, you know, oh, no. and I'm pretty it, clumsy. I better <laughs> <laughs> be careful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, uh, as far as I know, no one is fault has fall, okay, fallen right. or gotten hurt or anything. So, you know, it has proved it's been around for a long time and the monks do and the villagers in that area, they continually, you know, are like repairing it. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and adding, you know, new wood and that kind of thing. So it's, I mean, it seems safe. I mean, it seems safe okay, to, yeah. you know, 
we live to tell about it, you know. There's also Pubua Wildlife Sanctuary in Bunkan. There's a whole, we didn't actually get to go there because um, of, we were there during the pandemic and they closed oh, it. Oh, right. Um, we, were, yeah. we were there in 2020, like in August 2020, and they had a, it closed at that time. But you can, there's a, a stone that looks like a naga, you know, like a, the mythical oh, the, like the snake. Snake, of, yeah. In the pictures I've seen, it looks like really a lot like a, like a snake and and cool. to get there is an adventure. You have to climb way up these these mountains. So that's Bunkan. And then if you're in Bunkan, you can go to like Lowy Province or like Pukerdung National Park, Purua National Park, or Konkan Province, like Puweung National Park. That's where a lot of like dinosaur um, dinosaur oh, bones seen, that have I've been found. That. In Thailand yeah, are. yeah, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of cool, a lot of really nice national parks and. Um, yeah. That are great for adventure in Isan. I, you know, I love, you have to have a I love the national parks. You know, I, I think yeah. that maybe a lot of people visit Thailand and they don't really know about it. But uh, you might know this better than I do. But I think isn't it like something like twenty percent of the land of Thailand is somehow managed by the national park service? I think that includes maybe the coastal regions and the islands as well. Yeah, I, I'm not sure of the percentage. There's been a lot of deforestation in Thailand, but but you know there are yeah. But that kind of has turned a corner and they have done a pretty good job of preserving um, a lot of the yeah. you know, remaining forests, especially in the, like mountainous areas. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was actually really system. pretty impressed when they closed uh, Koh Phi Phi a while back to let it sort of recover. Yeah, Maya Bay. Yeah, Koh yeah. Phi Phi Lay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they closed that. They closed for the islands. They, they closed Koh Ta Chai and Koh Ban in Mukha Similan Marine Park. Actually, most of the islands in Mukha Similan Marine Park are closed to tourists. There are a lot of islands that are mostly or partly closed to tourists in, in okay. Thailand. Yeah. Um, good. Well, they, they don't, they, they do deserve more credit for that than they get because, you know, places like Ka Phi Phi Dong, Ka Lipe, Ka Tao, where you have like, you know, waste management problems and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, water shortages and, you know, right, pollution right. in the ocean and that kind of thing from all of the tourism, they, they tend to get all the attention, which they should get it. That should get attention. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. um, but it's also important to balance that, I think, by saying that, you know, like look at Ka Chang Archipelago. It's like 50, you know, more than 50 islands. Ka Kut and Ka Mak are pretty, well, I don't know. I don't want to say completely sustainable, but, um, you know, they do still have some problems. But, right, you know, right. Ka Kut, most of it is, Ka Kut is not part of a national park, but most of it is preserved as jungle. And then there are tons of other islands in, in that national park that are, uninhabited and just yeah, you know, yeah. And some of them are really beautiful i mean like karang karang in in Bukha Chang marine park is really really gorgeous island which like you can maybe camp there but there's no you know hotels or anything and you know we're talking about beaches that could have easily been taken advantage of for yeah for for tourism uh purposes yeah. that you know would have completely changed and karang is not a small island i mean it's not it's the fourth largest island in the Chang archipelago and there are, I don't know, probably seven, six or seven beaches. If they wanted to, you know, they, they could have developed the, that. Called La Liang is yeah. another example. Called Petra down in the Andaman Sea. Called Rawi, like we were talking about before. Called Dong. Those are, those are big islands that are, well, by Thailand standards anyway, that are, yeah. that are undeveloped. So, yeah. But, yeah, on the mainland, there are a lot. They, they kind of dot, the national parks kind of dot the northeastern region. And yeah a lot of fun like if you have a vehicle in two weeks just go up there if you like motorcycling it's a great area we did a long road trip as part of that trip to Bunkan. we did a long road trip along the mekong river we went east from Bunkan through like nikon panom which is really 
a nice province, a, you know, a lot of nice temples and that kind of thing. And from there, you see the Thakhek on the on the Lao side of the river, which is all these giant limestone mountains and massives. It's a lot of people do uh, motorbiking adventures over there. Back, you know, when the borders are open, you can cross to Laos in in Nakhon Phanom, and then down into Muktahan and all the way down to Uban Ratchathani. There's Patam National Park is one of the better ones. There's a like three thousand plus year old uh cliff art that's really right almost looks like alien cliff art in in places yeah Um, i've heard of that that's super cool yeah that's where you can see the the earliest sunrise in thailand is at patam national park okay and then kong chiam is a little village south of there just there's lots of little towns and villages and national parks and you know a few larger cities like muktahan is pretty big pretty big city just all along that mekong route and you know there's a highway that goes pretty close to the to the Mekong for most of it of that length through Isan but we we just like when we did that road trip we just stuck as close as we could to the Mekong River like you know we would go on these little back roads and go through this back country back country little areas along the river it's just like you know that was during the pandemic and uh, I wrote an article about that it was just like feels like pandemic kind of was never happened or was forgotten yeah. there because it was just people living their normal lives really there yeah. you know yeah. I don't know about now I, well, would, I would assume it's not that was... much different now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, you see all water buffalo and rice fields. And, and then I'll just say one more in Isan, because uh, another way to adventure is to, you know, if you're into historical stuff, like, um, oh, yeah. you know, Thailand has a lot of good ruins, yeah, not just Ayutthaya yeah. and Sukhothai. You know, there's a lot in Isan, there's a lot of uh, old Khmer uh, ruins, like from the same uh, civilization that, that you know, right, built uh, yeah. Angkor, Angkor Wat and stuff. And one of my favorites is um, in Surin province, Prasat Thamuan. It's right on the border, the Cambodian border. And it's actually like shared between, it's, oh, uh, it's shared that, between Thailand and Cambodia. Is that the one that they actually, not like, didn't have like a war, but kind of fought over a couple years ago? No, and yeah, they, that's another, that's, um, that's that one? Preya Vihar or Kapra Wihan is what they call that one in Thai. That's in Sisaket province. I've been oh, okay, to that okay. too. That okay. that that one they have a national park on the Thai side, and they you, you used to be able to buy a ticket and cross mm-hmm. into Cambodia just temporarily to go okay. to yeah. to the ruins. But they stopped that back in mid two thousands, and you know yeah there was a there was a little mini Skirmish, war there. Maybe uh, something, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Several soldiers did lose their lives in that, um, and they have not opened that. Well, before the pandemic, you could go to Kalprawihan National Park on the Thai side, and then you can see. You can see the the Khmer ru- the ruins like from about like a half kilometer away. It's up on a hill, and like they have like binoculars that you can use to like oh you know you, you but you can't oh, cool. really see yeah. the details or anything. Right, you know? right. Cool. It's still kind of cool to go there. You get a view into Cambodia and um yeah. and there is like a carving on a cliff on a sandstone cliff that you can that's right that's on the Thai side uh, that you can look at. But yeah, so th- that that one's I don't know I, I don't know if I'd say it's worth going to because you can't actually go to the ruins but um, right but you know if you're driving around that area and you want an yeah. adventure there's a there's a temple there that's made from like a million called uh what long uh, uh million bottle temple that's made from you know recycled temples you can stop there on the way it's kind of cool that's cool, um yeah. but uh but the one i'm talking about is, is in surin and you can go to this one it's all called tamu and it's not on a hill if you go way down into the to the Cambodian border, and it's a very remote area, and then just kind of out of nowhere, 
it's like really in the middle of nowhere. There's no, well, maybe there's like a tiny village near it, but that just, you, you see these, this, these old ruins and then you, you park and you, you see the, you see Thai soldiers that are armed with machine guns, you know, and then they let you through and then you get to the ruins. And we, when we were at the ruins, you know, there was Cambodian soldiers with machine guns, like napping, like basically on the ruins, you know, oh. <laughs> um, Fun, and yeah. You know, it's they, almost kind of intimidating. Like they weren't very friendly. To, oh, they were really? just kind of like looking at us. So I'm just taking pictures and stuff. But it, but it's actually a really a really cool site, just in terms of the history and everything. The the different carvings. There's a lot of detail. There's still some remaining lintels and stuff that you know. A lot of the Khmer ruins in Thailand. I mean, Pimai and Panom Rung are the two, and Muang Tham. Those uh, those are the three that that are really still have a lot of detail and are in yeah. pretty good shape. But other than those, most of them, they don't have much detail. Um, there are a lot, I mean, there are many, you know, ruins in Thailand that you can go to in, in Isan, but most of them are really just like, you know, out in a field and no one really right, pays that right. much attention, you know, a- but this one is, is, is a, it's, I mean, it's worth a trip. If you're, you know, interested in, in art history and that kind of thing, it's worth a trip, Absolutely, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, but it's also a bit more adventurous, you know, than, um, than going to like Pimai, which is in the middle of a of a of a town, which is right, a right. nice town and worth a, worth a visit, absolutely too. But but yeah, so those are yeah. I, I don't know. I could go on and on, honestly. But those are some of my some of my favorite well, spots. Fantastic. Because a lot. I mean, like I said, I mean, I've been here what eight years now, and I haven't heard of probably more than half <laughs> of, of the places you you mentioned. So that is that is awesome. Kind of a little insider scoop on some of the cool places that people probably don't or wouldn't think about, you know, tourists go to Chiang Mai, they go to Phuket, Chiang Rai. Um, but there's a lot more in the country, I think, to see than just that. And I think that part of being a good adventurer is kind of trying to discover these lesser known sites and, and seeing some of the other stuff the yeah. country has to offer. Yeah, I would say Thailand, you know, has a reputation of being, I mean, it's one of the most heavily touristed countries yeah. in the world. Um, and certainly in Southeast Asia, it's the most heavily touristed. And so it has kind of a reputation for being heavily developed. Like people think that, you know, it's all kind of been seen and done and there's, there's nothing new. And that's just really not the case when you really spend some time and, uh, and do some research and really learn about the country. It's a big country. It's, you know, about the same size as the UK or, you know, or Spain. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot to see and there's a lot that Isan region is an example of, of a whole beautiful region, wonderful people that are, you know, and it's really not heavily touristed at all. And there are a lot of national parks, even the, even at this point that I've still never, like I couldn't even, you know, name some of them at this point, you know, there are a lot of national parks, places to hike, places to camp and um, do all kinds of activities. There's rock climbing and there's, you know, not just in Isan, but you know, in other parts of Thailand, there's, yeah, like I said, I could go on and on and Thailand, uh, Thailand has a lot, a lot going for adventure travel still. Sure. You know, awesome. Without a doubt. Well, very cool. Well, after the, well, let's say after the pandemic is over, what are some of your next adventure plans? You got anything, anything cool kind of in the hopper? Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of islands that, that I, yeah. that I you know, I've got a yeah. long list of islands. I've been to a lot of islands, but like I said, there are so many and some of them are, are really not easy to get to. So yeah, there are a lot of national parks like off the top of my head, Mukon Chumpon National Park and Marine Park in um, Chumpon Province. There's like more than 60 islands there. 
Um, right. I've been to a couple. I've been to a couple of them. Called Weung is one in that area that uh, that's that, that was a really cool day trip for us. We met this elderly couple, and they just took us out on a boat and um, oh, cool, and around the islands, and then uh, we went back and had a meal at their house. It was like really kind of nice little experience. You know, you have you get experiences like that. If you yeah. speak a little Thai and you yeah. go to these places that not many tourists go to, you still do get that kind of hospitality and stuff, right? But yeah, Mukaw Chumpon. I, I really want to go back to Mukaw Sarin. I've not been there for a long time. I want to get. I want to do go back to uh, Panga Bay actually near Phuket. And I've only done like one long tail boat trip there. I want to do some kayaking and around yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, there's still a lot of places. But my dream eventually is to like buy a sailboat and just sail around the islands. That'd be cool. You know? That's the way to do it. So, yeah, yeah, that's that, the way that, to do it. That's maybe in like <laughs> you know, awesome. twenty years or something. But if I, right, if I can right, manage right. to save oh, some cool, money, we'll that'd see. Be, that'd be, that would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would make it easier. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Help your uh, your island exploration. Well, thank yeah. you. Uh, thanks a million for coming on today. Really enjoyed it. I- I'm excited. I'm going to try to maybe after. The pandemic is over after I get back. I'm, I'm going back to the U.S. for just a month. But hopefully when I get back in September, things are going to be looking a little bit better here. And hopefully I can be planning a vacation because, I, I mean, I haven't gotten the chance to travel much in the last, you know, two years. So maybe next time I'll be yeah. heading south and hitting up the coast with some of your recommendations. Nice. Yeah. Get in touch and uh, have, have a good trip. And uh, hopefully we'll, things will get better here soon. Yeah. Hoping so. Well, uh, so where can people find you? Where can they find you and where can they find your, your newsletter? Uh, the newsletter is a Substack newsletter, so it's thaiislandtimes.substack.com, or you can just Google Thai Island Times, you'll find it. And I'm on Twitter, at David Lukens. It's uh, L-U-E-K-E-N-S. That's pretty much the extent of my social media. So, cool. yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Glad to get the chance to chat with you today. And, you know, I gosh, I could I could go on and on and on and talk to you about uh, camping in Thailand and trekking in Thailand yeah. and, and all sorts of other cool stuff. So maybe we'll have to have you back on sometime in the future <laughs> to yeah. talk about some yeah, of my other pleasure. specific adventures, but I really enjoyed it. Great, great getting to talk to you today. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That was interesting. I liked that one. I know that our interviews are kind of Bangkok centric sometimes, but hey, that's what I know. Those are those are the people I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is interesting because you're the only expat that I know. And so all of my information about Bangkok from the expat point of view comes from you or just Thailand in right. general. And so it's interesting to hear another person's sort of perspective on the whole thing. He's sort of taken it and run with it and made a really awesome product in the Thai Island times. And it's, yeah, I've checked it out several times and it's really, really interesting, really informative. He's a great guy. He's been here a lot longer than I have been. And he really has his finger on the pulse of Thailand, so to speak. It is interesting because I don't get down South very often. I don't get to the beaches or the islands really very often at all. So it's really great to meet someone that has this other experience that's kind of separate from what I know and what I live every day. When people think of Thailand, most people, I would assume, if you hadn't been to Thailand, are thinking of Krabi and Phuket. (laughs) After having this conversation with David, I 
feel like there are so many places in Thailand that I haven't seen and I haven't heard of, even though I've lived here for eight years. It's good because I feel a little bit more inspired to get out and kind of discover some of these places. Sometimes discovering places is the hardest thing. Sometimes you can live somewhere all your mm-hmm. life and you know not discover the interesting things that are just right around your corner. I've made a list of everything that he talked about, and that's going on the on the show notes as well. I'm going to try to go to as many of these places as I can because he's really got some great insight, not just in the island regions, but just all over the country. You know, all those places that he mentioned in the interview, um, they're all throughout the country and they're all fascinating. They're all brilliant adventures that I would love to go on. And so I really appreciated hearing his experiences on these adventures. Mm-hmm. It's inspiring for me. My takeaway is dig deeper into the area around you get to know places that maybe aren't on the beaten path and maybe take a little bit of digging, take a little bit of getting to, because those are the places where you're going to have the best experiences. So that's what I took out of it. That's awesome. That's something we all need to live more. And that's kind of, it's kind of the theme of the show, isn't it? That's really what we want people to take away. That adventure can be found every day. You can do it in Thailand. You can do it in beautiful beaches and in amazing exotic locations, or you can do it in your own hometown, you know, at the farmer's market. That's an adventure, something new, something exciting and interesting. Just big thank you to David Lukens. Absolutely. Thank you, David, so much for coming on. We loved the interview. It was so much fun to talk to you and you are welcome back. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News. And this week, James, it is your turn. What have you discovered for us today? So it's a National Geographic article, and the title is, The Middle East May Be the World's Next Best Hiking Destination. And I want to sort of get your opinions on that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as Americans... Americans have this sort of weird fear of the Middle East now. <laughs> it comes from being into in a 22-year war. Sure, right. But, <laughs> you know, Americans also have this weird um, obsession with their own nationality. Like like they say, oh, you know, I talked to so many people when I went to Vietnam. They're like, oh, weren't you afraid to go to Vietnam? It's like nobody cares that you're American. The only people that care are other Americans. No one else cares yep. about your nationality around the world. I. I'm of the opinion that most of the Middle East is perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, don't go hiking in like Syria or Iraq, probably. But <laughs> there are probably some beautiful right places in the Middle East that probably do have amazing hiking. Now, you do hear these stories from time to time about people that, you know, go hiking along some border and they accidentally wander into like Iran and and then they get in big trouble and then they get arrested and whatnot. But, you know, if you're going to be hiking, make sure you actually know where you're going. Don't accidentally cross a border into a hostile country either that's probably yeah it's probably a good idea but for me i'm i agree with it yeah one of the issues is getting there it's hard to get to the middle east maybe not so difficult it just takes a long time and it's very expensive the middle east is on my list i want to go yeah, I've only ever I've been to Doha Airport and I've been to Dubai Airport. I do have a stamp from the UAE, but that's just because I wanted to say that I had been to the country and I landed and during my layover I ran through immigration, got a stamp, came back in. 
<laughs> was it a waste of time? Yes. Was it worth it? Absolutely. <laughs> Here's a fun question. Where does the Middle East begin and end? You know, I'm James, you're, we're going to make a lot of people mad with this. Uh, I say the Middle East begins at the Strait of Bosphorus in Turkey. I would say that mm-hmm. Asian Turkey, the eastern part, is th- the Middle East. I The Middle East isn't really as much a geographic region, in my opinion, as it is a cultural region. Yeah, because what do you assume um, places like Libya and Egypt are? They're, they're grouped in with the Middle East, even though they're in Africa. Right. There's a shared heritage. There's a shared history, an Ottoman history. There's a shared uh, cultural heritage. I am curious because, you know, you mm-hmm. have places like Tajikistan and Uzbekistan and places mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. It, the, yeah. Central Asia becomes very sort of nebulous, doesn't it? Yeah. I know one place that I really do want to go. There are beautiful, beautiful places in Afghanistan. Beautiful. Afghanistan, um, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. I really want to go to Turkey. Hey, uh, speaking of Turkey, if you are interested in learning more about Turkey, our friend Adam, Adam Ryan from As Adam Goes, who was a guest on the show a while back, has been in Turkey and he's been putting up a lot of great content on his blog, asadamgoes.com. So if you want to awesome. learn about Turkey, check out our buddy over there. Like I thought that was just a really cool article. I'm I'm intrigued by it, and I I want to know if anybody anybody listening has done any adventuring in the Middle East because I have never been. I think it's an overlooked region. I think people are more afraid of it than they should be. Obviously, be safe and be careful, and there are places you shouldn't go. Probably, yeah, but that but, goes anywhere. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't go to half half of Ukraine. I mean, it's kind of sketchy. We won't get into that, but... You shouldn't go to half of San Francisco. Probably more than half of San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> but that's very, very cool. I do think the Middle East is a uh, an overlooked destination that probably shouldn't be overlooked. I think there, there's a lot there. And I think that it could really offer amazing experiences if you plan properly and do it safely. Yeah, you know, and this article is about hiking. And obviously mm-hmm. there are massive, massive mountains in the Middle East. Beautiful... Beautiful landscapes, just... I don't know. Yeah, I think that the Middle East should be the next big destination. I think that that area should be revitalized. And I Mm -hmm. think that, you know, I'm a big believer in the fact that travel can fight prejudice and can fight... Oh, it definitely can. ...hate. So if more people maybe traveled there and people got to know each other and people talked and, and became friendly, I think that it could do a lot of good in the world, you know? Maybe that's too optimistic. I don't know. People are just people, and traveling makes you understand that. You know, traveling, you realize that everybody on this earth has the same basic wants and needs. Everybody wants a safe, happy life for them and their family. They want Mm -hmm. to have food. They want to enjoy life. Everybody wants the same things. And no matter where you are on earth, the people are the same. Yeah, they may speak a different language or eat different food or whatever, but... We're all people. Thank you, as always, for listening to our podcast. We are so glad that you are here. Uh, Thank you so much for your support over the last couple weeks as we have been coming back to relaunch season one, finish the year strong, and get ready for season two. As we mentioned before, there's no monthly challenge until the end of the year. January, we are coming back strong. We're going to be having new monthly challenges almost every month in the new year. Please do write in if you have something that you'd specifically like to see in Season 2. 
either a segment for the show that you would be interested in, topics you'd like us to talk about, guests you'd like us to interview. Do you want to be a guest? Write in hello at attemptedventure.com. Send all your listener mail, comments, questions, etc. to hello at attemptedventure.com or go to our website, attemptedventure.com, click on the contact us button and send us a message right from your browser. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Attempt Adventure. And James, I believe that you've restarted the Instagram account. Am I right? I have, yes. I will be posting more this coming week. Um, probably just a few posts, a couple posts a week for right now yeah. as we sort of ramp back up. But yes, I did. Cool. Yeah, so please do write in. Thank you again, as always, for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, huge thank you to David Lukens from the Thai Island Times. Check him out. Go subscribe to his newsletter. It is worth it. Even if you don't live in Thailand, it is fantastic and mm-hmm. super interesting. So thank you again for listening, ladies and gentlemen. And until next week, keep adventuring. Keep adventuring.